0: If you're looking to get into editorial photography, you're about to learn something that seasoned pros already know, and that is that you are no longer the only one solely responsible for making your photograph. From art directors to editors to producers, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and on the set to make that shot. Well, today we're going to dissect a cover story shoot for Billboard Magazine on this episode of Behind the Shot. Hi again, welcome to another episode of Behind the Shot. I'm your host, Steve Brazel. This is the podcast where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers. We take a forensic look at one of their photographs. And as always, if you are not subscribed to the podcast in your favorite uh, podcast app, make sure that you do so. You can always follow me online. I'm on Twitter at Raz2. I'm on Facebook at Steve Brazel Photography. I am on Instagram at Steve Brazzle. And of course, you can always check out all the episodes at thisweekinphoto.com. There will be a blog post associated with this episode as usual. So today's guest is a Nashville-based photographer. I want to welcome Robbie Klein. Robbie, how are you, man? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. In all the photos I've seen of you, you're always wearing that hat. How long have you been wearing the hat as like a, a, a thing?
1: Oh, man. It's, uh, I grew up wearing hats. The, the the white ones were were a good three years in on in on these guys
0: it's a good look man it's okay. a good look so let's talk about you a little bit you're you're originally from new orleans i understand correct yes what causes you to move from new orleans to nashville
1: uh work i was coming up here in college um and i was photographing musicians and i could just tell that the city had something uh happening you know it was a it was a growing popping city and uh and there was a, a photo industry that was already established here. And um, it, it was very enticing.
0: And we actually have a friend who lives in Nashville uh, who was on, I think, two episodes before this one. Uh, Brad Moore, used to yeah. be Scott Kelby's assistant, now lives in Nashville. So he's moved back to Tennessee, which is great. And there's a lot happening in Nashville, not just music photography-wise, but kind of with all industry and all art. So it's great a great creative area. I've been to Nashville. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. When, when people find out you're a photographer, because you don't, you don't just shoot music, you shoot a lot of different things. How do you describe yourself?
1: Uh, I generally say um, that I'm an entertainment photographer. Um, and then my, my little bit of details I go into, I say in Nashville, I shoot a lot of musicians for the record labels and editorial and some commercial. And I work a lot in Los Angeles on the celebrity side of things, also um, mainly in editorial. So
0: when you say celebrity,
1: you mean like TV, movie, TV, movie yep. versus okay. entertainers. Uh, like so
0: entertainment and advertising photographer. And yeah, Nashville yep. and you're in L.A. a lot. Next right. time you're out here, man, we got to get together and have a beer. Let's do um, it. your client list. As I was looking through your your about page on your website is the shortest about page <laughs> I have ever seen and really refreshing, actually. That's hey, I'm now. a photographer. Here's who I've worked for. <laughs> Reach out. Um. You've worked for Billboard magazine, Mm -hmm. CMT, Cosmo, L, ESPN, Discovery. Now, normally for most people, I'd name two or three and I'd stop there. I I I need to keep going with you. (laughs) Red Bull, People Magazine, Rolling Stone, Sony, Hollywood Reporter, Warner Brothers Records, and here's one of the big ones. When I saw this, and we watched three episodes last night, you did a cast photo for the Stranger Things uh, cast. Yes. Um. So you are shooting really anything having to do with the entertainment community. And I have to say this and, and doing this podcast, I've met a lot of photographers, right? I mean, I've seen some really good work. Your work is so cool and refreshing. And I'm going <laughs> to tell you why I've got this in my notes to say later, but I'm going to bring it up now. If you go to, and I'm curious, someday you should do this to yourself and see if you see what I mean. All right. If you go to, to Robbie's website, which is RobbieKlein.com, right? Yes. Okay. If you go to RobbieKlein.com and you look through his photographs, there is one common theme. Every photograph makes me feel like I want to be on the set with you because it looks so fun. The Kelly Pickler shot jumping on the bed. Um, You've got shots of of, uh, Johnny Galecki with kind of a weird facial expression. Every single photograph is somebody on the other side of the camera having fun which goes into that old quote of the camera looks both ways. Yeah. And do you notice that about your work?
1: I, you know, that's a, it's a goal of mine. Um, You know, a lot of shoots, I'll have entertainers come on set. And the first thing I tell them is, is, you know, I'm glad you're here. And, you know, we're going to have fun today. Um, That's, that's normally how I start things off. Just letting them know the, that's, that's what we're looking for here. We're going to get good work done, but we're also going to have a good time doing it.
0: It, it I, I kid you not. The one shot of uh, oh, what's his name walking in with all the Starbucks cups. Oh, Tony Hale. Tony Hale from Veep, and he's walking in the building, holding the door open with his foot. Trust me, just go find the shot. Uh, <laughs> it's the perfect example of what you shoot, and every even just a solo portrait uh, is amazing. You've got a Justin Timberlake black and white shot that I would kill to have in a portfolio. It's beautiful. You're really, really well, thank good. You. So. Let's get into your photograph and, and uh, let me just say, my notes are gonna be useless on this episode because we've been bouncing around a couple of different photographs. And just now we settled on this shot of the band Perry. And so I'm gonna ask you questions. I, I had seen this shot many times and, and I'm gonna ask you questions based on, on what's in my head on this shot rather than my notes. But first of all, this band Perry shot, as we bring this up, you said this, you told me in the green room, it's about four years old. Yeah. Um. Do you know what you shot this with?
1: Camera um. Line? Probably a 5D Mark II Canon. Okay. Lens? Any idea? 24 to
0: 70. 24 to 70. Okay. And is that your normal for these type of sh- shots? Is is that your normal?
1: 24 to 70 is my go to. Um. Ninety nine percent of the time, that's what's what's on my camera.
0: Okay. And I've got EXIF data up on this on the picture that you sent me. I'm guessing it's probably accurate unless you stripped it and it went in from Photoshop. It shows this was shot at 24 millimeters, F8, ISO 100. Sound about right? Sound about right. Okay. And this is the one that surprises me. You shot this at a 50th of a second. And in my head, I'm thinking you've got three members of a very famous band in front of you. You've got, as you look at this thing, you've got smoke, you've got lights, you've got positioning. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to go a hundredth of a second at least and make sure that I don't end up with motion blur. I'm guessing you were, first of all, on a tripod. Uh, Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) wait a minute. Wait a minute. You shot the band Perry at a 50th of a second handheld.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't use a tripod very often. I, I move around too much. You don't see the kind of craziness in that? I, you know, it it, it it goes back to college and I had a professor that uh, I'd like to think out of love used to call me a freak because he would tell us to shoot over one one hundredth of a second and I would always be down in 20, 30 and he would look for motion blur and he would call me freak freak because I could hold it still. And I, I don't know how because I drink so much coffee, I'm always shaking and jittering but for some reason... I feel comfortable shooting something at a 50th, 30th. Um, it, as, as long as I can uh, take that breath right before I, I shoot it, it it'll it come out all right. You know, the old
0: game where you look at your friends and you say, hey, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? <laughs> and the the one coming to my head right now is the ability to hold the camera still at low shutter speeds. I used to be able to, but as I've gotten older, I really focus on on speed. I can, if I really have the time to concentrate and, you know, breathe right and everything. I can do it, but wow, that's kind of amazing to know. So let let's talk about the shot a little bit. The Band right. Perry is a country band. Mm-hmm. Uh, you shot this for their label for the band management.
1: Uh, this was for the cover story of Billboard magazine.
0: Okay, how do you get a gig like this?
1: I had been shooting for Billboard for at least a year um, at this time, four years ago, and. Uh, we had done some smaller editorial shoots and, and just kind of more or less, I think, worked my way into whether it's trust or, or showing what you know, I can handle. Um, I'm not sure it was going through their mindset, but uh, yeah, I got to the point where they said, hey, we, we have a, a cover for you. And, and it happened to be the wonderful members of the band, Perry. Were they, were they nice to deal with? They were great. They were yeah, great. I, They're all still friends to this day because of that shoot. Um, very kind people. It's such a cool shoot. So when you're, when you're designing this,
0: and, and the viewers can see this on screen right now, when, when you are designing this, right, this picture has more than three people posing for a shot. I mean, they've got crates that they're sitting on. Uh, the one band member is standing way in the background. You've got smoke. You've got three stage lights pointing in different directions, which it doesn't look like that front stage light is actually shining on the guy that's sitting down. Um, It's kind of shining over him and, and kind of feathering across him. But the fact that I can see the back of that light, I find a brilliant design element. Do, do you, on a shoot this big for, for that magazine, do you come up with the concept or the, do they approach you and say, here's what we're thinking?
1: It's certainly a collaborative effort. Um, I think they plan ahead um, on uh, – On what their album covers and feature stories are going to look like, and then they they definitely come my way and go, hey, this is kind of what we're thinking, Um, and then I'll come back and go, hey, what about this? Hey, I had this idea, and there's a lot of back and forth most of the times um, with shoots like this. Whose idea was the three spotlights in the smoke? Uh, That would be mine. Yeah, I uh, I've I kind of originally got into photography um, watching people like. Annie Leibovitz and Mark Seliger and just kind of that classic portrait look that, that they do so well. And um, thinking of the band Perry and, and kind of what we were looking for with this, this feature. I, I thought, Hey, you know, why not? Where, where's the smoke machine at? Hmm. That's a great you question. Know? I want to say. Cause camera, there's none in front of the two seated.
0: There's only really smoke affecting the guy in the back. And yet he's still, you know, very recognizable. It's not
1: nuts more than likely it was camera left and there was someone fanning it back to keep it off of kimberly
0: oh okay so you had it somebody actually controlling it as it were uh more than likely that was that was the case so when you set them up this was shot at f8 i said assuming the xf is correct um when you set them up like this it's hard in photo three-dimensional to understand the perspective and distance. How far behind Kimberly is he standing?
1: I'd say he's at least, at least four feet, if not a little bit further.
0: Okay. So four feet, 24 millimeters F eight, you've got enough depth of field there. How Mm -hmm. far away from them are you?
1: I'm fairly close. I'm, I probably not more than four feet away from, from Kimberly.
0: Okay. So, you go out to do a shoot like this. You guys collaborate. You, you come up with the, the concept and idea. Obviously, what's on paper never happens in real life. I mean, you know, especially in photography. So you get on set. You already had all of this lighting. These actual fixtures in, intended and they were there. Yes. What gave you the idea to point two of them at you?
1: <laughs> well, we we sat in that studio and built this set for probably four hours and we tried many different things and we turned the lights this way turned the lights that way um, i if i was to go back through this shoot there's probably a lot of different scenarios we tried um, and in the end I, I i liked the idea of it was it was less of them pointing at me and more of them pointing at her and where the light was hitting um so it kind of started as using these lights as lights versus props. And so, so hey, you were
0: using them as rim lights, basically.
1: Yes. Yeah. So we were the the initial thought, I think, going into it, if I remember correctly, is just, hey, what like the actual use of these lights.
0: Okay, but see, here's the problem that I'm in, in my head, and again, I'm not a studio shooter. So if I sound stupid, you know, bear with me, I admit it. Um They're not pointing right at you, they're kind of pointing across you, but still they're a bright light and yet they're not really clipped. I mean, okay, there's probably parts in there that are clipped. So it's, to me, as I'm looking at this, trying to dissect it, right, and I'm trying to reverse engineer it, I see almost trying to overpower sunlight. So you're you're in the studio, you set up all your settings to the point where the room is dark, you've got those lights exposed properly, not blowing out that are pointing across the lens, You've got smoke and you can see it and there's no people in the scene. Then you add the people in the scene and the people are pitch black. At which point there's obviously a a light on Kimberly camera left pointing at the front of her Mm -hmm. to compensate for how dark that is. Because again, in my head, adjusting for just those lightings, you're way underexposing to get those lights down and then you're bringing it back up to compensate on the humans. Um, There's obviously... Another light on the guy standing up, coming camera left from behind that light that's on the far left, because mm-hmm. his face is lit up, and it's not from that light, or it could be. I'm looking at the light in the front, and it has vents that lights coming out of, so it could be from those vents. Okay, and then the guy on the front appears to be ambient light that's being feathered by the light in the front.
1: Did I get it? That's you're pretty close. That's the gist of it. I what, say- what did I miss? Reed, who is in black um, on the right there, um, he actually has, if I remember correctly, they all three have their own strobe light um, that is actually bare bulbed and gridded on them. And so to keep the light from spreading and hitting the set that is mainly being um, uh, lit by the constant lights, we gridded the strobes we were using. So they're very direct and it was more of a fill light hitting them. That's why Reed looks so soft with that light is because the strobe light that's actually hitting him is, is on a very low power, just slowly bringing up. Um, so it's just increments. So we hit him, and so let's just start hitting the dial, trying to get it a little brighter, a little brighter, a little brighter until he's lit. And then we kind of go down the line. If I remember right, you're correct. Kimberly has a secondary light. Um, I want to say a FOTEC umbrella um, on her. But and also then, gridded. Uh, not the umbrella. I think she also she has, I think they all three have the gridded light plus. Okay. Oh,
0: oh. Yeah. But you and wanted so, a broader light on her because she's one, the front woman, and she's in the front. Yeah. And she's centered. So you want to focus that light, which... What you said about Reed is fascinating to me because you can see the umbrella or whatever that secondary light is on Kimberly bleeding onto the back of of his arm, Mm -hmm. but it isn't hitting him much other than that. It's so well aimed and controlled. So I'm guessing you are not, I'm trying to picture if if I'm standing camera left and facing toe to toe with her, right? Mm -hmm. I'm guessing the umbrella or light is not pointing right at her it's even pointing more towards you and feathering across her.
1: That's probably, probably a pretty accurate guess, I'd say. See, I don't do studio lighting, but I've read a lot.
0: <laughs> um, so, okay, that makes, that makes more sense. Here's what I, I really find interesting. All of what we discussed to me is just fascinating lighting. This is complex. This is a really complex scene. This is the right? fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, this is. there's two things that strike me. Number one is the way that you've done this lighting, the guy in the farthest distance is bright because he's far away, he's smaller. You want, you want to compensate for the size difference. You want to compensate for him standing behind the bright lights so that he competes with those bright lights. She, of course, being in the front center is nice, beautifully lit. I mean, just beautifully. The, the, the facial light is uh, gorgeous. And then Reed in the back right, is toned down and subtle and still there. So now you've created with this lighting what the goal always is. You've made a two-dimensional media, three-dimensional. Mm-hmm. So that's fascinating to me, brilliantly done. Um, hand positions, I love from a posing point of view. I mean, I can picture sitting there with, with a subject saying, okay, you know, rub your hands together like this, or, uh, you know, there's always that thing of what do you do with fingers? They're pros. They're in front of cameras a lot, but still beautifully
1: done. Thank you. But the other thing is, you got four hours with these people? No, we had, um, we may have had half an hour, 45
0: minutes. So when you say you were in the studio for four hours, that was with dummy subjects sitting in. You're getting it all ready. So when the stars walk in, hey, grab a seat here, rub your hands together, click, we're done. Yep. Exactly. Okay. All right. So do you have, do you have three real people? Or do, I you have, had, do you have one person sit here, you get the lighting set for them, you say, okay, move to the front stool?
1: I, I want to say we had two um, people available that were sitting at. We probably pulled a third in a hair and makeup artist or, or someone once we felt like we had it to try it out. But yeah, we were bouncing people around.
0: Interesting, really, really interesting. So <clears throat> when you're going through and you get a job like this, And you get on set, you do your time pre-setting, the stars walk in. When they walk in, they walk in with an entourage. They've got PR, they've got management, they might have a a, a record label AR person. Um, You might also, for the magazine, right, have an art director. What is happening while you're trying to either prep it before they get there or once they show up and the, the, the sweat starts flowing, um, what's happening on, on this set?
1: I prior mean, to them arriving?
0: Both prior and while they're there. In other words, if somebody were to suddenly get, let's say they're not going to get, you know, a, a Rolling Stone or a Billboard or something like that. They're going to do, um, uh, you know, the Lynchburg Times. You know, some small newspaper magazine, but they get a photo shoot. And they want to prepare to do it right when they're on this set before and after, during and after the shoot, what is, what can they expect is going to be happening with the people around them saying, no, no, no. Can you move him? Right. I mean, are there, are are the PR people and the management in your ear the whole time, or do they stay out of your way or.
1: It kind of just depends um, shoot to shoot Um, with this one in particular. uh, Billboard was not on set um they had a producer a local producer that was on set with us and so as we are creating each of these sets we are sending photos uh to their editors and so it's kind of a, a cycle where the producer's there he's taking pictures of all the sets he's taking pictures of my computer the photos coming up we're getting feedback from them and we're kind of changing it as they um you know as they have their preferences using uh, a
0: cell phone and texting people
1: photos oh yeah we have billboards um photo editor on the phone um because they couldn't make it in for this one and uh and yeah we were we're you have a guy
0: who's not on set looking at cell phone texts going yeah 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 can you change this exactly (laughs) okay so don't say this out loud just in case But are you thinking in the back of your head, dude, you're not even on the set, what are you doing? (laughs) How can you make me change this, I'm right? I mean, does that happen where you think I'm right, but hey, the client's always right?
1: I think every now and then, um, you know, that we have differing opinions. And I I think a lot of um, the positive side of things is that we all are seeing certain aspects of it that uh, the other is not, where I'm looking at a photograph and I might not be worrying that much about where the type is going to land. But as the editor, knowing exactly what that spread is going to look like and how much type space they need, they're also looking at the negative space where they can put words and captions. Right, the white space, like as it were. Yeah. And so I think, you know, it's very important to listen to them because they know what that final product is going to look like. So you take the shot.
0: That, see, that's interesting. A lot of people who shoot, Band promos. In fact, don't realize that band wants to put text over it, either on a poster or even on Facebook, saying, "Hey, we're going to be at this venue on this date." No, nobody ever thinks about white space. Mm-hmm. Um, so you take the shot. Uh, you've got it in camera. Do you do your own editing? I do. Yes. Okay, so you don't give it to the magazine to edit.
1: No. Okay, so for editing, what do you use? Uh, at the time. Um, I think I was just Photoshop. Now I run everything through Capture One um, and then through Photoshop.
0: You're the third person I know that is, has moved almost entirely to Capture One. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I, My friend, Renee Robin, is a Capture One person. Uh, phenomenal composite digital artist. Uh, wedding photographer friend of mine is so fed up with Adobe and Lightroom right now that he's moving to Capture One. Uh, loves it, actually. He still uses Photoshop, but he uses Capture One for most stuff. Um, do you use for culling images? You do it all in Capture One now as well, or do you use any Lightroom or Photo Mechanic, anything like that? For coloring, just for for culling, selecting image selection.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, all through all through um, Capture
0: One. Okay, so you pull a shot like this up. What did you? What do you do to a shot like this?
1: You know there uh, because
0: please don't tell me this was out of camera because <laughs> if you do, I'm about to burn my gear.
1: <laughs> I'm going to say it, it. There's very little Photoshop happening here. Um, as is the case to most of my photos. And I think going back to how we talked about Reed and how we lit him is the reason for that um, because, and even, even breaking the shoot back down again, we looked at each individual person and lit each individual person, um, which we were lucky enough to have time and equipment to do versus sometimes where you have to kind of light in a broader sense. And so we were able to fine tune each person individually so that by the time you got to Photoshop, you're mainly just tweaking a bit of color. Um, and there's not a lot of no burning, dodging, anything like that that needs to happen. Really? Really?
0: Okay, so I I just thought of one thing. Do you use any reflectors in this shot, or is it all just light? I don't think we have
1: any reflectors. Okay. Um, So
0: you didn't really do much dodging and burning on the shadows or anything on this? No, not at all. Wow, dude. (laughs) That's that's amazing. So color-wise, is this the color it came out of the camera, or is this a treatment? You know, it's...
1: It's because it's got
0: that almost it, it, it's real color. yet, it's a little sepia.
1: I feel i my I say that Canon comes out a little bit warm in a in a reddish tone to me. To my eye, raw canon files feel a bit red. And so a lot of what I do, I mean, in a kind of first step is to pull back that red, which does cool things off. and um, that if you look at the backdrop on the right, I mean, that's, that's about what it looks like if you were just to whip it out the closet and look at it. So we're, we're talking pretty accurate colors here with a, with a bit of warmth, um, that those, um, mole Richardson lights, the, uh, um, Constance, you know, they're, they're really creating the warmth in the shot.
0: I was going to say, cause she looks really warm, but warm and not, not warm, like, you know golden sunset type thing she looks warm like healthy just worked out vibrant it's a it's a beautiful color on her um i just yeah just your work is so good and even in this shot there you know the two in the back are serious face but it just looks like this would have been a set that man i want to be on so bad um so let me ask you one other question all right and, and then we'll tell people how they can go find more about you the crop on this, this is almost a sixteen-nine crop. Um, obviously for the magazine, it was bigger than this, I'm guessing you had more room above or below. Do you, when you shoot something more like this, editorial wise or advertising wise, do you shoot wide to give you the freedom to set up the crop needed for print? Or do you try and nail Really, really close in camera, so that you don't have to. So I think and, and actually, one other question. One other question is: this uh-huh. is a three-part question. Um, the other question is: Do you have different crops in mind when you shoot? Because it might go on, it might go on a two-page spread. It might go on an eight and a half by eleven portrait orientation. It might go on a tour poster, and it might go across the chest of a T-shirt or the back of a jacket, or yeah. on a tour bus.
1: I think uh variety is often king um because especially here in town working with the record labels, like you said, all those things you mentioned are are very much fair game to where these images might land, and so getting a great variety is something that I now have learned to to do um, you know shots like this i going back to what I said about it, it's important to listen to your editors um is is because I I as a photographer am looking at more composition and the image itself versus the um, work that's going to happen to it afterwards as far as text and cropping and things. Like I'm wanting to create the image that I see in my head and that feels right. And that very rarely is a broader shot that can be cropped in. I, I tend to, especially with my personal work, the image that I shoot is the image that I shoot. I, It's extraordinarily rare that I'll actually crop anything. Um, and so it, it, depending on the client, I've definitely learned to um, be a little bit more um, in tune with what their needs are and shoot for those needs um, while looking still at what's in my head composition wise.
0: Interesting. So when you do, and you've done a number of shoots like this, like I mentioned, Stranger Things cast, um, and you've got a lot of cast pictures, you've got a lot of, you know, entertainment, not music, but entertainment stuff. But what's funny is I don't even look at this shot, while it is the band Perry, really breaking it down, this isn't music photography, this is editorial photography. Have you ever had um, an editorial shoot where You didn't get feedback because this happens to people, and I'm curious how you deal with it, where you didn't get either enough feedback or anybody on set or it was like, this is what we need. And we're kind of thinking this. We don't really know. And you get on set and everything is still up in the air and you're having to fly by the seat of your pants, as it were. Does that make
1: it more fun for you, more stressful for you? Um, More stressful. Easily, I, you know, there's there's a part of it that um, can be very fun, but it's more of whenever it's, it's known, hey, you have kind of creative control, like, what are you thinking here? Um, if I'm expecting to get a creative brief, and it's time to shoot, and we still haven't gotten it, I've definitely thought about the shoot and have my own ideas, but you're... Uh, this shot, for instance, um, you know, we talked about this so much in advance. All these props, everything that was in this shot, we we brought to set. It wasn't just hanging around. And so, if we would have just shown up and, and without this idea, it, it couldn't have happened. We wouldn't have had um, the things there that we needed. Um, but I had I had a, a rapper once, um, well-known rapper, label hired me to shoot his press images they were going to use for probably the next year or two. And he showed up to set and they hadn't told me the first thing. And while he was, once he was there, they said, Oh, we trust you just kind of do whatever. And that kind of pressure just going, you know, I don't have any prep time. You guys are leaving the branding of this guy for the next two years up to me without giving me any direction. Um, It's a, it's, you're, you're not always set up to win that way because it's, it's totally up to them on you know, whether they ended up liking what you did or not. Um, so it's, it's not something I necessarily prefer. I love and, creative control, but with a bit of advanced warning is always nice.
0: Yeah, or at least you know, conceptual direction. Yes, would anything. Be
1: nice. <laughs> so if people want to find
0: out more about you and your work, your website is what again? RobbieKlein.com. Okay, you're on Facebook, Robbie yep. Klein Photography. Uh, you're on Twitter, Robbie Klein. I like your Instagram one, <laughs> Robbie's photos.
1: Robbie's photos. Oh, I dig simple. that.
0: So everybody, <laughs> just go look up Robbie Klein, RobbieKlein.com, and look through every one of his portfolios, and you'll see what I mean. Every single photograph has has that little fun to it that just makes you go, wow, I wanna be on a shoot with this guy. Robbie, thank you so much.
1: My pleasure, thank you for having me.
0: I appreciate your your taking the time out of your day. Say hi to Brad Moore for me when you see him. And uh, to everybody, thank you again. Another episode of Behind the Shot in the Can. My name is Steve Brazel, I'm your host. We will see you next time and don't forget, head by thisweekinphoto.com. There will be a blog post associated with this episode that has more of Robbie's work for you to see too. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Hey there, I'm Frederick Van Johnson, thanks for checking out the TWIP Network on YouTube. If you'd like to keep up to date with the shows we're putting out, be sure to click subscribe and while you're at it, give us a thumbs up. You can also subscribe on thisweekinphoto.com where you'll find lots of other great photography shows. Thanks for watching the TWIP Network on YouTube.